The F Word at Work from Fertility Matters at Work is a conversation about fertility and how it affects people at work. You'll be hearing conversations from our community about what they experience when trying to build their families, as our aim is to help you better understand this issue by sharing these stories, along with our own insights from the work we are doing. Plus, we'll be talking to the organisations making these cultural changes the norm, as well as bringing you thought leaders from the workplace wellbeing space. She was going through IVF, she had complications, ended up in hospital. She had private medical care through her bank that she worked for. And the bank found out because the private health provider sent her a sick note and it had the reason why she was off sick was because of complications with IVF. And she was literally called into work and was given the choice of basically moving to Switzerland fairly immediately or lose her job. So welcome to the third episode of the F Word at Work podcast. And I'm delighted to say that once again, I have managed to get both Claire and Becky, despite technical gremlins, here with us. That was a bit of a mission, wasn't it? Yes. Yes. It's my memory. It's my memory. It's literally (laughs) her gigabyte memory, but we fixed it. And the reason that I was really keen to get both Claire and Becky on this chat was because what you're going to hear in the episode today is a conversation that Kate, who is our medical advisor, and I recorded in the summer with Nikki Aiken. Now, the three of us, Claire, Becky and I, were with Nikki Aiken last week on what I think we'll all agree is going to be one of the days in our lifespan of Fertility Matters at Work that will always be probably quite high up in a mind-blowing, remarkable day. And at that point, I'm going to hand over to both of them to, to give you their take because if you haven't yet heard we're going to explain what we were doing and it was just the most incredible day Claire hello how would you sum up that day wow it was absolutely incredible I think it took me three days to come down off the high from going to parliament and meeting all those MPs last week just speaking to them about what we do and about Nikki's proposed bill was just absolutely incredible. And it was really nice to see so many people. I know that she wanted a certain number of people to come and sign up on the day and, and she beat that target. So just goes to show what an important topic it is. And it is getting around the houses of uh, houses of commons. Houses of commons, is that correct? Houses of parliament? House of. House of commons. Yes, that's <laughs> what I meant. Becky, what was it like for you, the fact that your MP literally came in the room saying, I'm here to see Becky? It was amazing. And as Claire said, it did take me a few days to come down as well. I wrote to my MP, Alicia Kearns, as part of our Write to My MP campaign. And I heard back from her and she thanked me for sharing my story and said that she had a number of friends who had been through fertility treatment and completely understood why we were doing this campaign and was 100% behind it so she came over and made a real beeline for us to come and talk about what we're doing and how she can help and it was just amazing speaking to people I think sometimes you have this fear that people who haven't been through it will just think oh well what's the point of that but we were able to share our research and all of the stats but also the stories as well and I think it really was winning people over and I actually remember one of the quotes that you said Claire on the day where you said this is an issue that's about people not politics and so we had MPs that were coming in from different parties I think 
we all see in the news and we see on the TV, all the drama that goes on in Parliament and, and kind of across party politics. And what was really heartwarming was actually seeing people wanting to make a change for good and for people. And yeah, it was just really refreshing. And what you'll actually hear Nikki talk about in this chat is that she already was getting some support cross-party because in essence it's a cross-party issue the event that we've just been describing hadn't happened at the point that we spoke with Nikki which is why it's a bit of a higgledy-piggledy episode but we were trying to get Nikki's thoughts on the day uh, but she's been a little bit too busy to feedback but she was pretty bowled over wasn't she by the uptake of, of people that had come because she launched what she does describe Uh, in the episode you're about to hear her fertility workplace pledge but we're going to chat about that after you've heard Nikki do you think that she was pretty bowled over by what she witnessed (laughs) judging by her face yes she was very energized wasn't she with people walking into the room and it was lovely to see because she she would hug the people that came in regardless of what party they were representing it was it was just quite um, heartwarming when you just are in that place that is all about politics to mm. see that cross-party support I'm just chuffed Becky that I come out with these corkers like yeah. <laughs> about people not politics <laughs> just quite, I'm having me. that one I'm having that one I <laughs> your socials. You. yeah <laughs> I will well let's have a listen to Nikki and then I'll bring Claire and Becky back after to give their thoughts on what Nikki said. And just to tell you a bit more about our Right to Your MP campaign, a bit more about some of the things that Nikki mentions in the chat and what you can do to support what we hope will be the next reading of this bill in Parliament. Now, before we get into this episode, we just want to say a big thank you to our sponsors for this series, Apricity, which is next generation fertility. And Apricity has a unique virtual model that uses AI innovation and technology to reimagine fertility care. Now, to explain that, the technology Apricity use is through their virtual models, so they have virtual consultations, and specifically, their bespoke treatment app really guides and supports patients and their partners through their journey so they never miss an injection. They have instant access to their medical team and a dedicated advisor seven days a week. Apricity offers family building benefits to employers, health plans and individual patients. And this goes from diagnostic testing to full fertility management, including medical treatments such as IVF, egg donation and egg freezing. Apricity helps build families by providing access to the best doctors, technology and unlimited support. Now, the Apricity Fertility Benefit can be bespoke, designed for your company, for either flexi benefit, cash allowance or through your PMI. And you can discover how Apricity can support your employees just by visiting apricity.life. It was actually brought up to me by uh, a constituent. I call her Anna or Anne. We uh, give her a, um, a fake name because of her story, which I'm sure you and your um, listeners have come across so many times. But she was going through IVF. She had complications, ended up in hospital. She had private medical care through her bank that she worked for. And the bank found out because the private health provider sent her a sick note and it had the reason why she was off sick was because of complications with IVF and she was literally called into work and was given the choice of basically moving to Switzerland fairly immediately or lose her job and she took them uh she started taking them to a tribunal 
um, and then ended up agreeing an NDA and had a settlement. But it really left a nasty taste in her mouth. Um, and she didn't want any other person to go through that. Um, and so she came to me as her MP to tell me her story and say, you know, something's got to be done about this. And I absolutely agreed. Now, you know, I've had a lot of, I'm a, I'm a woman in my 50s. I've had a lot of my friends who have gone through IVF, some successful, some not. And I know how difficult. And I think also for me, um, from what I've, you know, what I've experienced with my, through my friendship is it's that, it's that silence. People don't really feel that they can talk about it for, for, a, matter, for a whole range of reasons but I don't want work to be one of them if you want to keep it private that's absolutely fine that's your prerogative but I don't feel that people should feel they have to keep it silent and you know we all know what it's like to work and keep down a job and to have to go through the turmoil which is quite often involved in IVF and the medical interventions I think it's a time when you need support from your family and friends, but also from your employers. And so that's why I've taken up this cause, if you like, to break the silence. And I think to show those people who are going through IVF or are contemplating going through any form of fertility treatment, that there is support there and that the rest of us in society are with them and are, are walking this path with them. And I hope in some way that by breaking down these barriers through work and then through also society conversations as well that it will help everybody and you know and make it make a very very stressful time less stressful i mean you talk into the converted it's music mm-hmm. to our ears having you just set out what we are saying over and over again and obviously you know you've you've started the um, the motion uh, talking about it in Parliament. I'm interested as to whether there's been any surprises that you found out since you've been talking about it. The the bill's had its first reading. There's going to be a second reading in November. We're speaking in the summertime. But from what you've learned so far, because I know that we've been speaking with you, um, you've been speaking a lot to the media, and I'm sure more and more people are coming to you to share their experiences have there been any surprises or is it more just how common this is well I think what surprised me I think learning more and more about fertility treatment and how men and women um, feel that they can't talk about it because they feel that it's I think it seems to be and this is just me saying this as a woman who have I haven't been through it I was fortunate not not to have to go through any uh, fertility treatment but I just feel like it's the last taboo when it comes to perhaps maternal services is that so many people are going through this and it's not what many people think. It's women in their 40s, career women who've had their career in the city and now think, oh, I want to have a baby. It couldn't be further from the truth. Uh, What surprised me, Natalie, is how this affects, fertility treatment affects younger women women in their 20s and 30s um as well as older women of course but i think it's that i think it's the fact that it's it's not the the uh you know the the i think the mistaken belief that it's 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 career women who have put um their job before starting a family nothing can be far from the truth and that's what's been surprising for me and also the number of people 
who have contacted me, not just from my constituency, but from across the country, people like yourselves involved in uh, in brilliant organisations like yourself who are trying to promote good practice, but also health practitioners and uh, people involved in fertility treatment, but also NHS um, and, and, uh, and men and women from all walks of life who said, this happened to me. Yeah, absolutely. You kind of mentioned that breaking the silence and better support. What do you think needs to change in how organisations think about fertility in the workplace? Well, I think from my point of view, looking at this, I guess, as, as, as a layman, I've never really considered it before. Um, and, and also now as an MP who's involved in you know, legislation, I think it's about encouraging employers to understand and appreciate that if a good employer wants to retain staff, the last thing any employer wants to do is really have a high turnover of staff because it's expensive. It's also you're having to retrain and, and, and all the palaver of having to recruit. So for their own bottom line, it is more beneficial to invest in the employees you've got now and keep them with you. Part of that is having a, a strong and responsible well-being package of uh, policies and I do think fertility has always been one of those things that perhaps people haven't really thought about we've had an awful lot of conversations about the menopause over the last year or so which is brilliant um and uh you know there is more work more work being done now with supporting women as they go through pregnancy and you know returning to work and, and and all that but I do think getting pregnant is one of the areas where we do need to concentrate on now. And I think it's really important also to think about the men involved because they're not actually necessarily always going through the treatment themselves, obviously, um, maybe maybe at the start, but they are having to uh, support their partner. Um, and it's a roller coaster. You guys know, I've, I'm learning. It's a roller coaster of emotions physically and mentally. It's also um, men in the workplace and also women having an understanding of how their colleagues might be impacted yeah. isn't it so it's not just for the individual going through it it's the line manager or you know whatever and you know when you say about menopause and a lot of work's been done there I think luckily menopause has definitely paved the way for yes. more fertility in the workplace education and policies and and one thing that I always say is that policies are fantastic policies are great but their policies are on a piece of paper or they're on a screen and unless you change organizational culture with education and webinars and all and getting people talking and breaking down those taboos breaking the silence then a, a policy is worthless exactly need, it needs to be in conjunction with all of that but also i think companies don't even have a policy a fertility policy they might have a maternity and paternity or parental policies but they don't actually have a fertility policy and I was talking to a big employer recently I was out doing a visit talking about a completely different subject and I just mentioned that I was uh, doing this spill on fertility rights in the workplace and they were like oh and the one I was talking to said well yeah one of my staff is just got um it's just going through IVF and I thought we'd have a policy but we don't it's like, and, and they, I'm, I'm not going to name them, but they're a very progressive company and it's the type yeah. of company you would think would have a fertility policy. So it's, it's, it's what I really hope to do with this private members bill is 
obviously to secure the right for people going through fertility treatment to have paid time off work. But it's also about breaking down those barriers and breaking the silence and changing the narrative about fertility treatment. Because at the end of the day, if you're looking at it in the cold light of day, it's about productivity. Mm. And this country Mm -hmm. is desperate to improve its productivity. But it's also, we need more babies. We do, our birth rate is so low, we need more babies. And therefore, you know, we know the fertility is not as strong as it once was. We have got more and more issues of infertility, particularly amongst men. And therefore, more couples need more intervention and so we need to i think we just need to understand that that it is good it's good economics and it's good work practice and it's good health and well-being for the people involved that was interesting how you describe the fertility issues and and put the emphasis almost on couples because one of the areas that we're also keen to highlight is the support needed for example for solo parents as part of that whole conversation of how families are made and I think one of the things when you were talking about productivity and all the things that we want organizations to to benefit from from providing this support is that we have learned so much about the fears people have when it comes to disclosure and I'm sure it's probably come up in the conversation that you've been having that people's behavior has been changing we were speaking to a lady recently who had suffered pregnancy loss and she was talking about how angry she was at work and how she had no way of really explaining what was going on with her because there wasn't the understanding and when we talk about mental health and well-being and and how much we want everybody to show up their whole self at work these are all these little nuances that we're always really keen to highlight so can you just explain Nikki what's happened so far for people that are listening that don't really understand how it all works when you're trying to introduce a bill such as this well it's had its first reading so I presented it in the commons and that's that's a procedural uh piece of uh, a piece of the of, of parliament if you like where you ha- I have to go and table it the next big stage is its second reading and that's when I, uh, I make a speech in the house of commons chamber and hopefully other MPs uh, will support me and may um, make supportive uh, speeches I know having spoken to a number of MPs cross party this is not a political party political issues it's one of those brilliant issues that you can get cross-party support for. And I already have a number of particularly Labour MPs who I know and work with who have said to me proactively, we are supporting you on this. So amazing! it's not a case of getting support, but it is about getting government support. So I've been to see the minister, Paul Scully, who's the employment minister. By the time this podcast goes out, it will probably be a different minister. And I will go and see the new minister when he or she are appointed. But the minister, Paul Scully, was very supportive. He understands the need to support people going through fertility treatment. So it's not government policy yet. We haven't got an employment bill um, as such, which this would slot into. But that doesn't mean it can't become law. It's a bit of a longer journey. But at the same time, for me, it's equally important to raise the issue. Um, And I think get employers to think about it and perhaps you know do it voluntarily why do we really need laws on this it's a shame we do need laws it would be so much easier if we could have a change in attitude so employers do it off their own bat but until and we can change the attitude and we have more case studies of companies big and small having fertility policies in place and as Kate said not just having the policy on the shelf but actually acting on them 
then our work will continue. You talk about law there, and I totally appreciate that to, to get to that point, it's a long, long process. In the meantime, what more could be done, do you think, to protect women and women's health at work? Well, I, I'm really proud that the Conservative government um, under Boris Johnson and now under who, whoever has put women's health um, at and made it a real priority and we and we before summer recess we had the um women's health strategy uh launched and that's just the start of it and there's an awful lot of in there and i made sure that there was um elements of um ivf and fertility treatment in there so that's working progress so you know i think we've 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 won the argument with government that it's really important to take women's health from from birth or pre-birth all the way to the grave because you know we go through so much. Um, oh, we do. It's a whole lifespan of a woman oh, is, is huge, isn't it? My, my colleague, uh, Baroness Jenkins, Anne Jenkins, did this brilliant speech in the, in the Lords a couple of months ago and listed every medical situation and experience that a woman or a girl and a woman goes through. And it was a long list. Going back to your original question, Kate, I think one of the things I'm launching is the fertility mandate where I am going to be working with all the brilliant organisations like yours, Natalie, and Fertility Network UK and others to really promote this amongst employers, to sign up to become a fertility mandate signatory so that they will then agree and promise to have a whole set of policies in place which they act upon and that their employees know about and their employees can hold them to account. And if they are going through fertility treatment, they can say, here's the policy. Now you need to allow me to uh, get on with it. So the fertility mandate is the next step. Uh, that's the voluntary step, if you like, so that we, if my bill doesn't succeed, then we have got something in place. It's um, showing willing, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Ultimately. So, you know, th- th- I'm hoping this will build momentum and that, you know, we will get companies from, you know, family, small family firms all the way up to the big international firms that will sign up to it. Because, you know, for me, what's not to like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that we want to do at Fertility Matters at Work to support you with your parliamentary bill is encourage people to write to your MP. And what I will say to you listening is that there will be details in the show notes of where you can go and we'll have launched this with Fertility Matters at Work and we're really asking you to to share your experiences and Nikki I'm I'm curious from your point of view as an MP whether you've been on the receiving end of of a campaign like this or if you've got anecdotal comments from your peers of how they feel if because what we're hoping is that MPs will have come back from maybe a summer break to very full inboxes Based in the case of why this is something for them to, you know, put their name to. How do you think it'll be received? I think it will be received really well. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm being positive. As you say, MPs receive, you know, scores and scores and scores of emails a day, hundreds a week. But when you receive an email from a constituent, which is, and you can tell when it's a heartfelt email, when it really means something to them, and they tell you their story the way that Anne told me her story that it really makes you sit up and listen and I think as I said at the beginning IVF and fertility treatment has been this forgotten medical issue I think because people don't like talking about it for obvious reasons and well I'm hoping that your campaign will really resonate with MPs and understand that actually there are 50,000 people going through this 
a year. It is not an insignificant number. And until now, they have been forgotten. And so I'm hopeful that your campaign will then build momentum within the commons for me then to go to government and say, look, this is supported, not just within the Conservative Party. I would say the more Conservative MPs we get on board, the better, because it's a government party. But equally, it's important to have opposition MPs support it and also peers. Um, so, I, you know, I, 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 I'm very grateful for the help you're giving me because it is a team effort. It's not just about me doing this on my own. It's about working with you guys and others and my constituent and, and others to uh, really, really be the, the the flag bearers for this issue, which, as I said, Great is movement. the forgotten one. Well, I think Kate will agree. We've been in this space for eight years and we're never short of being amazed at the stories that we mm. hear, saddened and amazed. Obviously, there's really sad ones and there's really incredible ones, but we know the power of the stories. And I think to be able to encompass that, like you said, to support what you're doing. I think from our point of view, we know that they're trying to conceive community, given the opportunity and if they feel safe, they'll share their stories. Don't you agree, Kate? Absolutely, totally. Yeah, yeah, they really do. Um, and so I, I can really see backing for this, that people want to be wanting to stand up, want to be involved in this movement to create change. Nikki, am I right in saying with the women's health strategy that you mentioned before, whilst it was open for public submission, that there was about 100,000 submissions, whereas normally with something like this is about 7,000. Does that yeah. sound about right? That's correct. It was uh, it really blew away the uh, the uh, Department of Health and the ministers were so uh, pleased by the response. And it just shows how important it is, not just for women, but for for their husbands, brothers, fathers, mm. sons. Um, and again, it's, it's issues like um, uh, endometriosis and, and issues like that, which are, again, until you lift the lid on them, I, mm. as a woman, had no idea how dreadful that disease can be um, and how it can affect your whole life. Mm. And, you know, I've heard um, a testimony from women during the uh, launch where, you know, they're crippled, they, they can't work. Mm. because the pain is so bad they are bleeding so heavily during their period and even I didn't wasn't aware of that yeah so again it's about lifting the lid on all these issues that so many women just suffer literally suffer in silence and it's also very very important that we empower women to keep going back to their GP and demanding help because I've heard too many stories particularly from women uh, going through the menopause or starting the menopause who have just been fobbed off yeah that's really interesting I read um, a stat the other day of uh, if there were 100 women in a a room 20% of them would be experiencing heavy and painful periods and out of that 20% only one would get help yeah, exactly. And oh, I'm sure giving me goosebumps. I know, me too. But we also know from that is that that can lead then to fertility issues. Mm. So again, it's that circle, isn't it? It's, it's it's closing that circle. So yeah, I'm really really proud of this women's health strategy, and it's not one of those issues which which has been it's been launched and now it's going to sit on a shelf. It, you're going to hear about Good. it, yeah, um, week after week, month after month now, and there's going to be some real credible changes, I think, in the way that medical professionals are encouraged to change yeah. their attitude. You know, we're really pleased to change their attitude on menopause. And I'm sure it'd be the same now for fertility and other female related issues. 
And I know, Kate, you've been pleased to be invited to talk about endometriosis in the corporate space more recently, mm. haven't you? I have, yeah. And actually, I, I do quite a lot of women's health issues as well as fertility. So it might be polycystic ovaries or endometriosis. I'm doing a lovely one, actually, which is part of Women's Health Day, which is coming up, um, where we're, we're kind of focusing on lots of different aspects that uh, women go through. So whether it's endometriosis, PCOS, um, PMT, vulval issues, vulval pain, there's, there's loads that we're kind of encompassing all in I don't know how I'm going to get through it all in an hour webinar all on women's health but hopefully it'll be good and I've been today talking about bladder leakage so between us <laughs> you know yeah, we've got we're it, really we've got, doing what we covered. can <laughs> yeah, yeah. we're really blissful being a woman isn't it I know. <laughs> I know Nikki thank you so much for your time and best of luck with the reading um at the end of November and thank you for using your voice as we're using ours to try and make a change I really appreciate you sharing that with us today thanks very much and thank you for all your support I really appreciate it and hopefully working together we will make a real positive change for all those who are going through fertility treatment as you heard we spoke to Nikki midsummer at the time that we were with a different prime minister the churn that we've witnessed over the last couple of months hadn't quite happened hence some reference to ministers that might not still be in their posts but Nikki was aware of what was to come as you heard from the way she spoke about her colleagues but most importantly she talked about the impact of what it would be like for the MPs to have letters from their constituents and you heard Becky say at the start how her MP came to to meet her when we were in Parliament last week. Both Claire and I have written to our MPs. Sadly, we haven't had a response yet. But I think one thing that we'd say is, is you know, don't lose hope because you can, in the way that our website links you to the Write to Your MP page, it does give you, once you put your email in, it gives you a little prompt because I've had a couple of prompts saying, has your MP replied? So don't lose hope. You can keep hounding them. We've heard firsthand from Nikki's office that different MPs have been saying that they've been receiving these letters haven't they yeah I, I asked Emily when we were with her who's Nikki's senior aide um, said that there'd been quite a flurry of emails and letters and, and kind of people writing in about this topic which was absolutely heartening to hear I'm very proud that obviously that message has got far and wide and I think as well it just shows like Nikki said it does make an impact and the fact that we know firsthand from her office that people are saying, yeah, they are getting these responses. Now, we've had some of you share the responses that you've been getting. And there were some similarities in some of them, which we did we did question when we were in Parliament mm -hmm. last week. And we've got a bit of an update on that, haven't we? Yeah, there seems to be a narrative that's being regurgitated from several MPs across Parliament, a narrative that, that kind of pulls a line. And it is from one specific source. There's a conversation going on about the content in that source and if it's correct or not. But if you do get something back and it says something like any sickness related to fertility treatment is, is treated as sickness, can you please write to your MP again and just say, could, could you have more of a personal response? We've also been asked by several people via our social media accounts, why don't we have a constant template to write to our uh, to MPs? And the answer to that is going through fertility treatment is a very personal experience and we want that heartfelt personal experience to be heard direct to source or direct to your MP, which is why we didn't just put a template for people to just put their names against and sign. So we want those stories out there. We want that narrative out there so that people hear the variety of challenges, especially in the workplace that people have to face. And your MP, Becky, said, didn't she, I get about 400 emails a day saying all sorts of things and how you work your way through that many a day. But she said... 
that you know yours really jumped out yeah and I think that's the power of stories isn't it it's the power of a personal story so yeah we we got asked that question today on our Instagram that Claire's just mentioned around why are we not making it easier for people with a mass um, email that people can send but I think if they see the same email that comes through each time it's going to have less impact than actually reading about someone's personal story and so I think it's really important for people as you're writing this is to think about how can I win them over in terms of hearts and minds let's win those hearts and minds to get them to really see the impact that this is having on individuals in the workplace and really get them to think about it because that's what's going to make this work really I think we're just trying to get as many as possible to write to their MP and we want that to continue even though the second reading is coming up the more momentum we can get behind this the more impact it will have but these things take time and I think Nikki did say didn't she that Mm, legislation does take time and so we've got to be patient with this but it was the fertility workplace pledge which is there now to that Nikki referenced in her conversation that is there to almost bridge that gap and and we shouldn't have to wait for legislation for things to change and and that's what we're looking for with this pledge is for organizations to voluntarily make that change and say that I don't need a law to tell me this is the right thing to do I want to do it because I want to do it for my people and I want to be a good employer and that's what we're hearing from the employers that are already signing up, they can see real value in this, not just for their employees, but for their business as well. The Fertility Workplace Pledge was launched in Parliament when we were there. And we were really thrilled to be a part of it because it very much is in sync with what we are educating organisations to do in terms of education, support, guidance and flexible working. What were your feelings, guys, seeing those statements of the pledge? up on the walls of the room that we were in. And what was happening was as people were coming in, they were being asked to sign the pledge. Mm. It was great. And hold up. They were holding up signs that there's a hashtag going on and people were sharing on. There was a lot of activity on Twitter that day. I think that's the MP's platform of choice, isn't it? It's everything that we've been talking about since we came together back in 2020, isn't it? We want people to have accessible information, have the policies. We want staff to be trained around this managers to be trained we want there to be conversations that are happening and we want that support in place and that flexibility and so to see that in parliament being launched with the support of some huge organizations we we saw Zurich were there the co-op NatWest Channel 4 Channel (laughs) 4 yes it was so many and and for them to be almost role modeling and setting the example and we've had a number of our member organizations who are working with us to become fertility friendly also sign the pledge and say that they're supporting them we're just hoping that this becomes something that all employers want to do and then actually we might get to a point where well, this is real wishful thinking, but where legislation isn't even needed because that's something that just is a given when you work for an employer. It was quite cathartic actually being in a room full of people who actually got it Mm. and and understood where we were all coming from and and what the value in having that conversation would add to their businesses, to to society and to, to life in general. I was, I think that's why it took me a couple of days to come down off a high for it because it just felt so empowering from from my own own personal perspective that you know this conversation was in a room and it was it was being felt by everyone and that everyone was on the same page I think as well the fact that that room was in parliament there was something about being (laughs) in that building where we know so many decisions are made and we just could feel 
the momentum around this conversation. That's really the aim for this podcast and the conversations that we want to share with you. If you're listening to this and you're trying to work out how it's going to become part of your wellbeing strategy, hopefully by sharing the conversations with Nikki and what these kind of actions that you can take are, it just helps you feel less overwhelmed as where to start. Because I think part of that commitment to sign that workplace pledge, it's you saying, okay, now what? What do we do next? And that's where obviously we can come in and and just explain more about the different steps. Because there are steps, which is what this pledge highlights. It's not just writing a policy and, you know, the box is ticked. There are actions that need to be taken ultimately to have this cultural change, aren't there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, policies no use if it just sits there gathering dust and people have to find it and then feel like they can't actually implement it by speaking to their line manager and so especially when it comes to a topic like this which is so personal it's so sensitive and and people do find it difficult to talk about quite understandably and so that culture of safety and kind of acknowledgement of impact to mental health and that understanding is so important to sit around the policy and that and that comes through the work we do around awareness raising like starting this conversation in a relatable and sensitive way it's also through making sure that we've got internal support groups as well so who are the people you can go and talk to if you're going through this so just really starting that conversation so there's a network of people around you in the workplace that you know if you're having a bad day or you're struggling there's somebody that's there for you and I think ultimately it's just that employer saying we understand we recognize this and we're investing in supporting you through this because you're part of our workforce and we we value you and we want you to retain as part of our workforce. So we'd like this to be a continual narrative and so no matter when you're listening to this podcast whether it's um a month from now than we're recording it or a year from now we would like you to still write to your MP to keep it on their agenda and to make sure that this is still a cited conversation that they need to be aware of. And I think if you are somebody in a well-being or HR position listening to this and you're starting to develop that internal network this idea of writing to your MP is something that you can share on that internal network because we appreciate that it might not be something that you've been directly affected by but if maybe friends or colleagues have been you might want to write and share the stories that you've heard but also feel free to share the links that will be in the show notes of how to write to your MP it's all linked through our fertility matters at work website on your internal network so people can find out more about it too whilst you're sharing the podcast and whilst you're sharing the podcast what we'd also love you to do is tell us what you think has it been helpful have you got any questions that you'd like us to answer that email if so is info at fertility matters at work.com and as the podcast grows we will be answering some of your questions do keep an eye on our socials all the details are to come of how you can follow us there but the main thing is with this podcast is rate and review and share the podcast if you've enjoyed us being in your ear holes do follow us on our socials at Fertility Matters at Work on Instagram and LinkedIn. It's where we share the free events that we have, as well as survey findings and lots of interesting conversations from our community. We're at Fert Matters Work on Twitter. Plus, we've got loads of free resources at fertilitymattersatwork.com. If from what we've shared with you, you feel ready to talk more about how your organisation can become fertility friendly, do book a call via the website link. It will be great to hear from you. 